Art of Visuals community and welcome to the Art of Visuals podcast, a content series to inspire the creators, the mavericks, the hustlers, and the visionaries who believe that art and creativity have the power to impact and change culture. This series was created for you, the explorers of the world. We're here because you're not alone on this journey to becoming your best self. This series shares real authentic stories direct from the world's most talented creative community. These stories are meant to inspire, motivate, and educate you and the rest of the AOV family. With over a decade of experience in entrepreneurship, content creation, and self-development, the AOV team is here to create a new kind of culture within our community, one that inspires action, love, growth, and fulfillment. You are now tuning in to the AOV Podcast. What's going on, everyone? It's your host, Prince McClinton here with another episode of the Art of Visuals podcast. Today's guest is Cameron Lorenzen. He goes by 50,000 Streets on Instagram. He's a 28-year-old street photographer based out of Boise, Idaho, and he's sitting right here, live and direct, right in front of me, right now. Killer Cam, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, man. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Very humbled to be a part of this. Dude, it's it's my pleasure. Dude, I can't believe we're swinging this. We're si- so for the you guys that don't know, we're sitting here with one mic right now. We're swinging this thing back and forth, but it's a little awkward, but it's all good. If we get to get up and close and personal, I feel like we should just get really close and just talk <laughs> like this. Cam, why don't you start us off by giving us a little bit more background on yourself? Yeah, so I'm a street photographer from Boise, Idaho. Um, I've been shooting for about two years now. Um, I originally picked up a camera because my best friend came to me and said, hey, it's my birthday. Guess what I got? I got a camera. Uh, So him and I kind of picked it up and we started to shoot and it's kind of led into this whole foray of street photography. Dude, I love it. I love it. When at like, was there a certain point to where, because you shoot a lot, like where it went, from zero to 100 like you're just like this is my jam was there what was that moment yeah and I actually that's really interesting so when I picked up photography I actually started years ago with a clothing company I would shoot all of our product photography and uh, you know just put it on automatic shoot it catalog it that was it I knew nothing about a camera so when my buddy got his camera I was like okay this is kind of an interesting thing that we can you know have another level of friendship with so we started shooting like clothes because we're, we're, we're big into fashion. So we shot shoes and clothes. And uh, I realized quickly that wasn't kind of my thing. So for about six months, I was shot landscapes and all these different things and nothing really kind of hit. So then um, I actually went and uh, traded in my Canon 60D and got a Sony a7R II. And the next day after I bought it, I flew to Seattle to go see my friend Bobby. I thought, let's walk around. Let's see what we get. And as I started shooting people and buildings, I realized this is this is the calling because I think the biggest part is, is it kind of spoke to me about what I see in the world. And that was so different than landscape photography. Dude, I love that. And, and I know you're a deep dude. So let's just do, I want to dive in, dive into these deep waters, deep, 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 deep waters. Why did you choose photography? Like, why do you photograph? Yeah, I think for me, a lot of it was um, constantly searching for a voice, right? So when I was younger, um, I played violin. So I played violin for 10, 12 years. And for me, that was a voice. Uh, And it wasn't, I love music, right? But it wasn't the exact thing that spoke to me. So then I started the clothing company. That was another search for this voice. And quickly I realized that that's, again, not the voice that I was looking for. And as soon as I picked up a camera and actually started shooting 
anything really, whether it was landscape or people, that was the voice I was searching for. And what I realized about the voice is that it wasn't this outward expression. It was this inward expression to myself and how I felt about myself. And when I picked up a camera, I realized it's the license to see the world in a different manner. Now you get to share how you view the world, how you feel about it, just by picking up something that captures this 2D image. So what do you mean by the voice? What is the voice that you speak of? I think the voice is the way that you share your soul, right? It's how your soul interacts with the world. Um, we all have a voice, and yet very often we don't share it. Um, and that's such a key part about it, being a creative, is that you find what, what you reach out in the world to. Um, so for me, it, it's shooting people in the emotion, in the scene, and sharing something different with the world. And that quickly became my voice and how I feel about it. So how did you, uh, you know, a lot of your, first of all, your, your photography is seriously fantastic. Such a huge fan. How did you get over the fear of, you know, we live in a society where, to be honest, dude, where people aren't that friendly. We don't like people in our space. And being a street photographer, you're often right in someone's grill taking a photograph. What challenges did you face, you know, getting to that point where you felt confident to do that? Yeah, I mean, and that's absolutely a great question. I think there's several pieces that go into that. First, we happen to live in a city where most people are actually pretty nice, you know, for those who have never been to Boise, it's honestly probably the nicest city of people. But people are very much into their own space in Boise. So they're very much, hey, give me my distance, all of that. So once you start to intrude that space, people act very differently. And it's not like, you know, you're walking the streets of Brooklyn, you might get punched in the face. Like, that doesn't happen here. But you do run into a little bit of conflict. What I found about being scared, though, the best part is... When you see a photo, especially in the streets, that photo will never exist again. And so as soon as I instantly felt nervous, I knew I had to take the shot because that meant something to me. Having those fears means that that's a good shot to me. And even if the photo doesn't come out, I would rather have the regret of having a 90-second confrontation with somebody and explaining to them what I do versus a lifetime of, oh, man, did I miss like my magnum opus, like the greatest photo I could have ever taken. It could have been that, but I didn't take it. Dude, I love that. I, I really love the, the passion. I love just the follow through, getting outside of your comfort zone. And at the end of the day, like you're a professional, like this is what I do. And I have to, I have to take the shot because I just don't know. And I think that's, that's the attitude. Like, let me, let me ask you this. Like, what do you think is different about street photography? Cause I think it takes a different type of attitude, a different type of swagger and a different type of person to, uh, excel at street photography versus landscape photography, urban photography, and other types of photography. Yeah, I mean, it definitely. I mean, it definitely takes some guts, right? By no means, if you're timid, it's not going to be easy. But the nice thing is that you can overcome that, and that's initially what drew me to street photography is because I am shy, I am quiet, I do like to blend into the scene. But all of those things actually lead to being a great street photographer because you kind of just have to lurk and not to sound creepy, but you got to be a creeper. Like you got to really pay attention to small, minute details. Um, you have to notice people's expressions, the mannerisms, things like that. And not only when you're shooting people, but anything in the streets, um, you have to think on your feet and you have to be quick about things. And all those things, I wasn't the greatest at when I started, but I realized like, as I did it, 
those things grew within me. So I think even if you feel like you can't be a good street photographer, you can be, but you, you have to go through practice of it. So what might be like a practical tip for someone looking to get involved with street photography that's fearful of shooting people? Like what's, what's a way to get outside of that comfort zone? I think the first thing, do not, until you're comfortable, don't shoot with a long focal length shoot with something between 24 and 50 millimeters, right? That's, a, that's an average good focal length. And just take your time getting used to it. And as you start to come become comfortable, uh, shoot inanimate objects, right? Start by shooting anything that you find interesting, even mundane. Um, and then you'll start to work up the courage and you'll start to take photos from a distance. And then you'll soon, leave, you'll soon learn that you have to close that gap a little. And once you take the day-by-day process... You become more comfortable. I mean, nobody's Bruce Gilden overnight. And if you guys don't know who Bruce Gilden is, just Google him. Um, he is the most in-your-face, uh, obtruse photographer. He does flash photography up close in New York City. I mean, by far and away, like the jungle. Nobody is that type of person overnight. It's years of work. So even if you're timid, it's okay. Just take the first steps into it. Dude, it, it, I think there's something to be said about people feeling your energy and you can let me know because you've obviously have had confrontations and, and things happen I'm sure um, I, I would imagine that being fearful or being afraid doesn't help the situation like being confident and being just and like truly confident about the situation and being calm when things do erupt or someone does get upset probably helps a lot more in your favor because you don't look like you're in the wrong but if you look scared and timid you look like you're high like what are you doing like what were you doing? It looks like you're hiding something. And so what's your experience been with that? Uh, yeah, great question. I think part of it is the understanding of why you took the photo in the first place, right? If you see a character or a scene, believe that you're taking the photo for that reason. And if somebody approaches you, just be happy about it. Always smile um, because they don't understand, right? They're the fearful one. They, right. And you're not doing anything wrong. And I think the best way to explain it is, hey, uh, you have a, a beautiful smile or a great this or that and be genuine about it. That is the key part. People know when you're not being genuine or even as simple as like, oh, this scene looks great. And the best thing, and I learned this from Stephen Venasco. He's a street photographer out of LA. Um, he carries around a binder of all of his street work, the little four by sixes that he printed out. And so sort of, instead of using words to explain it, you can pull this out and show them your work and be like, this is what I do. This is what I share and I do it because I love the community or I love the people here. And, I, and that's what I do. That's why I do it is I love Boise. Like I want to share the things that I see every day in the place that I grew up. And so when I tell people the, how much I love this city and then I show them my work, it completely changes the outlook of the conversation. Right. So I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm trying to, I'm going to pull up your Instagram again. One of the things I, I noticed about your photography specifically, what is your preference between shooting during the day and night? And outside of your preference, is there, does it say anything about you? You know, like, I, like I, there's night people are different types of people, you know? And so I'm just curious if what that means in your world. I, I think that's a really another interesting question. Um, when a city goes to sleep, it doesn't really go to sleep. It wakes up just kind of looking different. And that's the best part about shooting at night. Everything looks different because we go from sunlit backgrounds and scenes to artificial light and the way that artificial light presents itself in photography it brings out a whole different level of emotions I love both equally 
Um, if I shoot daytime, I want really harsh, strong lighting because I want those shadows and the contrast. Like, I, I love that. Um, but shooting at night is equally as great because you get a whole different scene. Everything changes. Dude, so let's talk about some of your photography here. What, what do you think are some of the fundamentals that make up a great street photograph? I think, and that's going to be the eye of the perspective holder, right? For me, I'm trying to create a scene that brings out some sort of emotion, whether it's hearkening back to being a childhood. So I have a photo of a guy filling up a popcorn thing, um, and it adds a little bit of mystery and a little bit of layer. But the, the reason why I love that photo so much is it takes you back to going to the movie theater and being a part of it. And, and that's one of the big things that I try to give people is a feeling of something they've experienced but in a totally different look or manner. I love that. You can totally connect with, with this image. The story, there's tons of mystery. Like the fact that you can't see the guy's eyes um, looks like there might be another part. Like there's just, it's a very interesting photo. You can sit here for a long time and, and look toward, you know, look at this image and discuss this image. All types of feels. I love street photographer, I love the fact that you like bringing people back to memories and time of their life where they may have spent time at, you know, a movie theater or wherever they may have been. Um, I think that's a great way to resonate with people. And that makes, I mean, you're basically as a photographer, you're a communicator. You're just communicating through images. And so you're just speaking people's language when you can create things that relate to them. And it just opens up a form of a different form of communication, which is really, really rad. Um, what are some tips you would give to, since we're just talking about photography and stuff, what are some tips that you would give to uh, a young person, you know, your little brother that's starting out in street photography and wants to, to kill it but doesn't really know what to focus on? Yeah, I mean, and so first and foremost, I think you have to understand why you're doing it. You have to have some sort of motivation. Um, and it's whether... You're trying to create beautiful scenes or to elicit some sort of emotion from people. I think you have to have a why going into it, um, such as any photography. You know, why do people go shoot mountains and wake up at two in the morning and to catch these beautiful sunrises? Uh, is it because they connect spiritually with nature? Is it because they're early morning people? I mean, everything that you do, you have to have a why. And for me, street photography, sharing the way that I see the world, because I, I feel like everyone sees the world very differently based on what they go through. And so my piece of advice I need to like a little brother starting in photography is, how do you see the world? Are you a positive or a negative person? Do you see the light or the darkness? Do you see, how do you see things? How do you feel about the world? Try to capture that in the frame. Because when you shoot, not only what you put in the frame, but what you leave out of it is so important, and that expresses everything that you see. Dude, I I love that so much, and dude, I'm I'm just going through your photographs, and I'm always just mind blown by the amount. Dude, you have so many perspectives. What like what is your creative process like when you're out in the field shooting? Because I mean, you're shooting people from above. It looks you know you have photos where it looks like you've climbed into some type of second, third story and got a perfect view straight down on some people. You got look up shots, look down shots, side, like just everything. Like 
when I look at your photography, it kind of reminds me of being a kid and just like being very curious of the world and just never like heads on a swivel, just all the time, just looking, just so curious up, down, left, right, backwards. And I like, that's what I feel when I look at your photography. So what is that? Yeah, I guess. So the question would be like, what does your creative process look like when you're out shooting? What's that flow? Uh, and that's a great question, man. For me, it's funny because when I used to try to explain it, the only way I can explain it is I kind of just black out on the mic and I get home and I upload stuff. And I'm like, wow, how did I get this? <laughs> and I slowly started to realize it's because I take my time. I, I slow down and I look for the minute things. And to be a great street photographer, which I'm not even close, but we're getting there. But I've realized the first step to becoming a great street photographer is seeing the most simple, mundane things. The way that light falls across the scene or the colors come together or if there's juxtaposition, just really slowing down. And not only just when you go out to shoot, the exercises throughout your entire life. Slow down and really look for things that you don't normally see. One of the greatest quotes, Eric Kim once was talking, uh, another street photographer, he was talking about the greatest tool isn't the camera in your head, it's the eyeball in your face. And it's just like lifting weights, right? You wanna get stronger arms, you go do curls. You wanna do, you wanna get bigger legs, you do squats, right? If you wanna be a better photographer, you have to work the eye because that's what you see, that's what it gives you the perspective. So even if you don't have a camera in your hand, slow down and look at colors and lighting and scenes and angles, and that'll translate into your photography. I love that. So that's so practical. Ladies and gentlemen, slow down just a tad bit and observe the colors. Observe the lighting. Is this a high contrast lighting area? What type of day, you know, what kind, what time of day is it? What's the weather like? What's this area look like? Because I, ima I would imagine you probably take mental notes all the time when you're just going throughout the city. You might see something like, oh my gosh, I'm coming back to this spot on this type of day and I'm going to get a, this type of shot because this is a good spot for this based on its location, where the sun rises or where the sun moves, the, the high contrast lines and all that good stuff. Is that how your mind's working when you're out and about in your day-to-day -day life? <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think so. Part of it is setting up and camping, right? So sometimes I'll see a scene and I'll, I'll be like, oh man, I only, got, I only have five minutes to spend here. So I'll take a photo of it and I'll go home and upload it and put it in like an inspiration folder uh -huh. so they have all these scenes. But even more so, it's also just when you're walking around. So sometimes I'll be walking and I'll see a scene just suddenly appear that I've never seen before and never really realized because it's not only the environment, but the people that then occupy the environment. So it's, it's twofold in understanding a scene, right? This building, this angle, this place, whatever it is, but also understanding the person you're trying to put in it. Are you trying to find somebody with a specific color of clothing a specific look, a specific emotion they display. And once you start to piece those together, then throughout your daily life, you search for those things. So for example, if you want an exercise, go outside and shoot everything that's red. One day, that's all you do, everything that's red. No matter what it is, it could be a, po a poster, a sticker, somebody's shirt. Go out with the intention sometimes of not just, oh, I'm gonna go make great photos oh, I'm going to actually go work, right? Again, going back to the gym, you don't just show up and kind of do some stuff and all of a sudden, you know, you're Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. No, yeah, like, fine. yeah, there's specific steps. So maybe sometimes it's you shoot the same block every day 
for a week. Sometimes maybe it's the same focal length for a month. Maybe it's you only look for a certain expression, people kissing, right? That's the only thing you look for. Because as you train yourself to see those things, it all starts to come together. Wow. It's almost like training your mind to spot opportunities. You know, because depending on how blind you are to the world, which a lot of us are just pretty blind to the world, you know, you, you miss a lot of moments and things because you're just, your eye, like you said, your eye's not trained. But when you're trained to spot these opportunities and you're, and you're looking for these things, you start to notice they're actually happening around you all the time. You're just aware of them now, and you're not in your own world blocking out those, uh, those types of transactions, I guess. With that said, I want to talk camera gear a little bit. So what you rocking, bro? Yeah, so for me, I'm super simple. Um, I have an, a Sony A7R2, and Dang. then, I, and, then <laughs> and then I use I use the 24 millimeter f 1.4 lens. For me, I want a really short focal length um, because it makes me uncomfortable. It makes me have to get really close to people, and and that is such a fear, and it still is. Right, almost two years into street photography, and it is still a fear every day, but it forces me to. Um, there's a famous quote out there, um, and I want to say it's Robert Kappa, but it, it might be somebody else. But essentially, it's um, if you can't smell the street, you're not close enough. And there's really this really interesting perspective about that that is true. If you look at a photo and it doesn't give you some sort of emotion or it doesn't hit you right, then you're not close enough to someone. And that's not to say that you have to be in somebody's face but you have to be close to the scene. You have to feel it as you're taking the photo. Well, I mean, I mean, you can just watch cinematography, watch any film, and they're not getting a, an emotional scene out of a wide shot. That's just never, like, you get emotion by being right in someone's face, and that's where you feel it, and that's where you connect with them, and that's where you empathize and, and, and all that good stuff, and so that makes total sense. Is there an adrenaline rush aspect to it, shooting on that 24 and being that close to people? Always. Always, and that is one of the best feelings, is seeing a scene, invading that scene slightly, taking the photo and getting out, and them not noticing it. Like, that's almost like a miniature game in itself, is not how creepy I can be, but how good at my craft can I become to where people don't notice me. Being a street photographer is much like being a fly on the wall. You have to kind of sit and kind of really be unnoticed because you don't want to disturb the scene, right? You don't want people to notice. And going back to gear, that's such an important piece. If you right now are looking at buying a new camera and you want to get into street photography, find the smallest thing you can. Like a Fuji X100F is a beautiful street camera because it's tiny. Or a Ricoh GR2 or 3, it's tiny. The more inconspicuous you can be, the better because then you really can maneuver a scene and people don't notice you. But if you're rocking, and that goes back to the telephoto lens, man. If you're rocking like a, a Nikon D850, which is a beautiful, beautiful camera, amazing equipment. But if you're rocking that with like, you know, a, a, an 85 millimeter lens, like wow. people are going to see you from miles away and it's going to ruin the scene. Dude, I love that you said that because uh, so it's so true. And we just got... You know, we were working on this project, and uh, we were using cell phones to shoot everything. And I was—I got so excited about the future of mobile photography and mobile filmmaking. We were doing filmmaking with these devices, and 
they're so inconspicuous. Like I have the I have the cameras out. Everyone's, what are you filming? What are you guys doing? Everyone gets all awkward. You can see it. Like I'll be, I'll have a beautiful scene, and someone turns and ruins everything because they just look like ter- Like what's going on? Why is there a camera pointed towards me? But when your cell phone's out, it's so incon- no one. Know- Everyone's like people are always filming everything on their phones. They're always on Instagram showing their food and showing everyone where they're at. Like you're used to you know random people just like low key having a phone like right in your face, and you don't. You don't know if they're doing a selfie. You just don't know, and so you don't do anything. And so I'm excited. I'm excited to see where mobile photography and that stuff goes, even with low light capabilities. Because imagine, I mean, imagine what you can do with a small camera, right, in your hand. But imagine being able to use a capable cell phone for street photography. Talk about what you'd be able to capture. Like, what do you think that would do for the space? Well, and I'm so glad you brought that up because that opens up so many things to speak about that is so important, right? And not only for street photography, but anything. The camera that you have, whatever it is, is the best camera available for it. Don't feel that you need to go buy a five ten thousand dollars Leica setup because that's what the old heads say about street photography. That's one of the biggest turns off real quick by, about street photography is that you know if it's not shot on film or a Leica in black and white, it's not street photography. If there's anybody out there that has that rationale that keeps you from being a street photographer, don't listen to them. If you have a cell phone and that's all you have, go shoot. If you can afford a $400 point and shoot, go buy that $400 point and shoot and shoot with it. But I think the way that mobile photography has changed the game, it's only going to continually grow, right? And so if that's what you have, that's what you have. That's great. Because the photo is made by the emotion within it, not the quality of it. I mean, really, if you look back at somebody like Robert Kappa. So Robert Kappa helped found Magnum Photography. It is arguably the best photography collective, they were shooting on these just awful film cameras that were grainy and out of focus and soft, but some of the most beautiful images of all time were captured on those those cameras, and they're almost 100 years old. Dude, I love it. I love it, man. Let's talk a little bit about, let's talk a little bit about you just, let's go back a little bit. You've done some cool things. You started a clothing line with some buddies back in the day, uh, and you were able to leverage some of your photography skills with that. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think for anybody that feels that they want to be creative, but they don't know what they want to do, that's okay. And I think that extends across the board. If you're sitting here today going, man, uh, I'm afraid to go to college because I don't know what I want to do. I'm out of college and I'm afraid to figure out what I want to do. Don't be scared, right? Find things that, that speak to you. And you're going to try a hundred different things before you find something that you fall in love with. And so for me, whether it was music or graphic design, um, find things to put your energy towards because those things in itself will help shape who you are um, so specifically with the clothing company, you know, we tried to do some streetwear stuff and we really paid homage to companies like 10 Deep, Supreme, Undefeated. And uh, I met so many great people. I and mean, that's how I met you. Um, and so I think part of it is finding groups of people to be creative with. Dude, that's, that's so true, man. Having a, if you're an artist and you're not surrounding yourself with people that are more creative than yourself, it's going to slow your growth down. If you're the best shooter in the room, if you're the most creative person in your circle, you need to expand upon your circle because that's not going to motivate you and push you to get outside of your comfort zone to grow. Um, And so 
I love that you said that, and I'm one of those people that loves to surround myself with really creative people and really inspiring people. And they're not always photographers. A lot of times they're not. A lot of times they're musicians or in fashion, or they're just, more or less, they're just people that are highly creative and kill it at what they do, and they inspire me to push harder uh, with what I do. Um, speaking of that, who inspires you? Yeah, and I think, and that goes for everything you do in life, right? It's, are you surrounding yourself with positive, emotional people, successful people? I mean, so you can extrapolate that to a lot of different things, but I think the creativity portion is the easiest to see, right? right. If you sit around with five other photographers and you're like, yo, man, like you guys really aren't like motivating me or pushing me out, it's not that they're bad, right? But you got to find your own groove. You got to find the people you run with. And sometimes you got to do it on your own, too. Sometimes you got to just go out there and make your jewelry or whatever you want to do or shoot your photos like you got to push forward and the craziest part is is when you do those things you'll meet people along the way so going back to the clothing company I met hundreds of creative people that I never would have had the opportunity if I just didn't take the risk and that's one of the biggest parts of it who inspires me right now I think that's that's such a great question if we're talking just photography I think there's two distinct aspects of it especially with street photography. You have kind of the, the OGs of the game, right? The guys that really started this. Um, guys like um, Henry Cartier-Bierson, uh, Vivian Meyer, which, by the way, if we're talking just the person, Vivian Meyer's story, if you haven't heard about it or read about it, take a little bit of time and, and go look at her work and listen to her story. It will inspire any creative going through anything in life that it gets better and that you can continually excel. Um, but guys like Gary Weingrad, Weinegrad, um, Haas, Elliot Erwitt, there's a lot of original people that are so inspiring because they shot a time period that just doesn't exist anymore. And when you, and it's in such stark contrast to Instagram street photographers, right? There's such a different world between them. Um, if we're talking current guys, uh, Evan Ramped is incredible. Um, Six Street Under, a guy named Craig Whitehead, Josh Jackson, Heroes for Sale. I'm actually really drawn to a lot of the, the shooters over in London and, and the UK. Yeah, uh, yeah. They, they have a real interesting perspective on how to shoot street photography that is really good right now. Dude, it's funny you said that. I, uh, a lot of the street photographers I dig too are, I don't know what's in the water in London. But it's almost, I almost feel the same way about Toronto when it comes to music and just creativity in general. Like, just whether it's urban photography, cinema, vibe ass cinematography. Dude, Toronto, like, I gotta get out there. I, don't, I'm, I, I just have to go catch a vibe because there's obviously insane energy in that city because some of my favorite creators are all, I'm just like, dude, Toronto, 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 you know? And uh, it's interesting. And I think that's like, I don't know if I had a conversation with you or someone else, but I was talking about like collective consciousness in these areas, and like there's these booming creative pockets because there's so much talent there, and it raises the vibration in the city, and then all of a sudden we're all confused. Like, what's going on in Toronto? How come all the most fire, most amazing content and music and clothing and everything, fat, like what is going on in Toronto? And it's just like, dude, they're on a wave right now, and it's it's, I think environment's really important. So with that said... What are your thoughts on the role that environment plays in the day-to-day life of a creative? 
Yeah, and that's really funny that you bring up Toronto. I mean, so many people are familiar right now with Peter McKinnon and what his group of friends are doing. Um, and then there's a, there's a couple guys that I follow, and I hate to butcher his name, uh, Lucan Counts or Cots. Um, he's a great, great urban photographer. Dude, yeah. Uh, yeah. The girl, the producer. Yeah. Like. I think there is something to be said about it because in any size town, when you do something creative long enough, you meet everybody else. And then that inspires you, right? So whether it's Toronto or London or, or New York or whatever it is, you start to meet the people around you. And, and the connection between you guys really elevates the game. And, and that's why it's important to go out and, and seek creative friends and creative people um, because you can carry your city to a next level. And I think there is something so true about that. I think I think you and I are gonna have to put Boise on the map for some creativity, bro. Not just us. There's, I think there's people who are way more creative than I am, but more or less spearhead the spearhead the foundation and get the crew together. Cause, uh, dude, there's some serious creativity here, and I totally believe in 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 getting people together and just pushing, pushing the the envelope. And I think that would just inspire a lot of people in the city and ourselves, most you know importantly, um, and so. Yeah, I just think that stuff is is just rad, and it's interesting to talk about. You know, there's a, a lot of places. So, anywho, London, great street photography, uh, and just good good people. Like, I went to London. We had a workshop out there two years ago now, and, dude, it was just interesting. Like, they're so into photography. Like, it was just a different, I don't know, it was a different vibe. Like, it's just a di- slightly different culture. Like, it's still Western civilization, but so it's... But it's not, it's, there it is different. There was something different. It's hard to put a pin on what it was, but they take a more analytical and artistic approach, I feel like, to the art form than um, some of my peers, I guess, out here in the United States that I've met, you know? Well, and I think, so for anybody that's listening to this, that's going, you know, this, my city doesn't have the vibe I'm looking for, or... Um, I, I live in a tiny city. How can I do street photography? Be, be the trailblazer. Be somebody different. Um, so for me specifically, I didn't know anybody in town shooting street photography. And, and when I go out, I still really don't see a ton of people. But for me, I knew that's what I wanted to do, right? So if you live in a town where you're like, man, the culture's whack, the art's whack, be the change. Be the person that spearheads that movement and does it if you want to shoot whatever it is go do it be it um and for people that live in a tiny town um that think oh i I can't shoot street photography or i can't do whatever it is try to find a way around that roadblock you know go out and shoot street even if it's there's 10 people in your town in one square block there's always scenes and, and emotion and energy anywhere in the world and you can make it happen you just got to be a little more brazen about it. You got to work a little harder. I mean, it's not everybody doesn't get the opportunity to live in New York City where you step out onto the street and holy shit, there's 50 moments that happen right in front of you. You got to work hard and you got to look for those and it can be done anywhere. So, let's I want to chat a little personal development with you. I'm curious uh do you have like any routines, morning routines, evening routines, any type of rituals or uh, anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my morning routine, 
you know, I'll wake up a couple hours before work, eat some breakfast, meditate, stretch, read a little. Um, I, I think in general, one of the parts about being a creative is your mind is always going, right? Your mind is always kind of flying off the handle, going different places. What I have found that really helps kind of channel the energy is creating routines about everything. Because the less I have to think about something, the more brain power I kind of direct to a different thought. So my morning, my evening, I try to keep it always the same. And some people look at routine and think, oh, well, that's boring. And it is, sure, to an extent. Um, but it's important because I then have to think about it less. And I can think about what's my next project, what's my next shoot, what's my next big idea that I think I can accomplish. It's so interesting. I just This just popped into my head while you were talking and... You know, a lot of people do different types of mental programming to get through tough times, right? So they maybe like positive affirmations and different things like that. I'm curious if there's any research or anyone that's doing any type of like subconscious mind programming for creativity that's found success and is like, I like after doing these exercises and doing these routines for six months or whatever, it may be three months, however long, you know, but... I'm significantly more creative and I spot way more creative opportunities and I feel like I have an abundance of ideas and things like that because like you said, everything is a muscle. Everything is training. The human body is a beautiful universe if you understand it and learn to communicate with it and tap into it. And so, um, I don't know, I guess that's just a random rant that... (laughs) (laughs) No, it's good though. I thought of, you know. Um, So, outside of that, Unless you have anything to add to that. <laughs> I actually, that's a, that's a really interesting point. I think part of it, and you can extrapolate on different areas, right? So we train ourselves emotionally to handle objection, handle um, confrontation, handle things. I think part of it that stems from the creative side is training your body in different functions. And that leads to creativity, right? The healthier you are, the healthier you are, the happier you are. I think those all go into being creative. And naturally, we're going to have creative ruts, right? Like all the time. And everybody handles them differently. But I think part of it is always being in the right headspace and being physically in the right space. Because if you can't, if you wake up and you're like, oh man, today sucks. And you, you already have things that fog your brain, it's so hard to be creative. It's so hard to be motivated. So I think that's the first thing about being creative for me personally, and, and everybody's different, is making sure that I am in the right headspace by doing meditation, yoga, and reading and learning, uh, being in the right physical space by running and biking. Um, because when I feel better, the world just is a little different. It really is. And there's scientific studies that show People that are depressed actually see less color spectrum. They see less contrast. They see less saturation of color. And I mean, we've all been sad. And like when I think back at those parts of my life, things did seem a little grayer than normal. And so when you are happier, you see more vibrant color. You see more of the light spectrum. And that that in itself changes the way that you see the world, which changes your photography. Dude, I love that. I love that so much. What do you do to... to so, I mean, obviously the, the morning routines and, and all that stuff helps. Is there anything else you do for, like, mental health specifically? Like, I feel like we live in this very interesting time to where we're just, there's a lot of noise from every angle and not a, lot of, not a whole lot of signal. 
And I think a lot of young people are having a hard time coping with that and trying to find the signal through the, the onslaught of nonstop noise. How do you how do you find your signal and is there any exercises or anything specific that you do to just keep the clarity and, and keep your mental just together and, and, and not get too caught up and wound up in the whirlwind of just stuff? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and everybody's different, so take this for what you will. Uh, about four or five years ago, I came to the conclusion that I really had to kind of let go of some stuff. I had to think about does this personally affect me physically, mentally, financially, right? Like literally, does it affect me? And if the answer is no, I had to stop worrying about it. I had to kind of put it past me. So when people say things on the internet or when I see a news story that upsets me, I had to compartmentalize it. I had to understand the effect not only on me, but the world. And I had to respect and understand that, but you have to be able to let things go and move on. And not to say that you don't have to care, right? It's, you, you need to care about the world. You need to care about personal issues of people, of um, everything that's going on, but you can't harbor and internalize those things. And that, when I took that first step, that kind of changed my mentality and how I just feel about things. Um, I think it's important for people to find people to talk to, friends, families, uh, whoever it is, be able to express yourself. Um, I, I do a lot of meditation. I think meditation is another great way. Um, it's okay to feel a certain type of way. Um, it's funny. I told somebody one time, when you see a photo that's been posted in black and white by me, it's because I'm probably a little sad. That's how I channel that energy. So when I post black and white photos, sometimes it's because it looks better in black and white, right? But sometimes it's because I'm sad. And there's just certain things about that. But I think mental health, especially in this day and age, is so critical. But the best part is, is before, this is the best time to live in to have good mental health because there's so many tools out there. Uh, there, there's so many people, there's so many books, there's so many avenues to get help or to just be happier. Dude, I love that. What do you think? Another thing I find really interesting is we live in a society and social media is so rampantly abundant on everyone's device and we're all glued to it all day long. You have all these different causes. We're all, there's so many people, man. There, we are going through so many difficult challenges in this world. Uh, men, women, people of color, uh, wars and terror, like just all types of stuff. And you have all these warriors running around that have these very passionate belief systems. You know, they're fighting for, to fix, you know, income disparity. They're fighting for poverty and fighting for homelessness or fighting for, you know, electric, you know, let's go all electric and get rid of gas, whatever it may be. But how do you feel? A lot of times I've seen these, these people attack other people because they're passionate about their cause and therefore everyone has to care about this cause. Everyone needs to care about our parks and everyone needs to care about dogs and everyone needs to care about whatever I care about. What's your take on that? Well, I think relating that back to photography because that's a really interesting topic is that what we've seen over the last really five years, right? Four or five years. Um, because all these images are so easily shared, whether it was uh, the rally in Virginia or really anything going on stateside, but also Brexit. And there's so many things that all of a sudden were the things going on in South America and Venezuela. 
we see these photos and it changes the perspective of what the world is. Photography has brought the world to really be so much smaller than it used to be. We used to kind of isolate ourselves and say, well, the things that happen in front of us are all that's happening and all that matters. Now, because you can grab your phone and download 100 different news outlets, you can download Instagram, the Art of Visual app, 500 pics, whatever it is, all of a sudden the news is at your doorstep. And I think there is something to be said about social media and the way that it affects that whole rally cry. I think it's important to be passionate, but even more importantly, it's important to be empathetic. You need to understand what other people are going through. And even if you can't really change it or can't be an effective cause, it's important to understand those things and understand that it is real, right? Um, when somebody says racism is real, of course it's real. Mm-hmm. And you have to ask yourself, how do I change that, right? Or whatever it is. And I think the best way is just by being a better human being. I think we all need to be better human beings, but it's so hard when social media constantly is in our face. I think it's it's about love. Like, people just need to open up and love each other because I guess more or less what I was getting at was that, uh, like, racism, like you brought up, I'll just use that as a perfect example because I'm black, you're white, we're sitting here chatting, and perfect example is, like, hey, there may be another buddy. Say there's a, a second person here. His name's Joe. Joe's all about civil rights. Joe's all about you know, equality and fair pay for everyone and fair opportunities for everyone, all of, you know, racism, real, blah, blah. And he's upset with you because you're not standing up. You're not at the rallies. You're not, you know, you're quiet. You're not saying anything. And it's like, hey, Joe, I get it. I respect you. I love what you do. I'm not saying racism isn't real, doesn't matter. All I'm saying is like, hey, you know, it's not my fight. I'm actually really into clean energy. And like, that's what I'm a warrior about is like more or less respect everyone because like I've just noticed this I've, I've felt like everyone just expects everyone to hop on board any cause any you don't and, and then they point a finger and they try to belittle people because you don't care you don't like hey easy that's not the way forward the way forward is like hey I totally get it like how about you just turn around and say hey I, that's fine like what are you into like what's your cause that's a better question than trying to make everyone stand for what you stand for. We all have our causes. We have our stances on various things. And I think everyone has the right to choose what's important to them. We can't just blanket importance upon everyone because we're all individuals and that's what makes our nation and our country great, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of the issue is that once we grow older, we think that what we believe is correct. And by choosing to open your minds and listen to people, you have to accept that maybe you're wrong. And it's so hard for people to think that maybe what I believe in is wrong, or maybe it's just not quite right. And I think, and that goes back to what is social media? What is the tool that we use? Because I see so many, that's where I see so many people get belittled and dogged when they disagree with something or they don't believe in something full heartedly. I think you see it less in person, right? And it's, and it's all on social media. And I think we're kind of at a precipice of like, where does social media go? How do we, how do we use this tool? Um, and to be honest, man, that's why I don't have Facebook. Like I have a Facebook account. I deleted the app because there's, just, there's so much negativity on it. I think the best way is to love and to be a good person um, and understand that 
sometimes you don't know the best avenue to approach something, but you have to empathize with the people that are trying and that do know what's going on. Um, you know, so for example, um, the whole split about Brexit, right? I think that's a perfect example of something that is so polarizing between a country. And it's when you look at that, I think that's really kind of an interesting little microcosm of the entire world of social media. Um, so I think just trying to learn and understand both sides of the fence, right? Because that, that issue specifically isn't about color of your skin, your economic status. I mean, that is such a polarizing opposition from both sides that there is no, um, there is no segregation, right? When you look at something like that and you start to understand why people stand on one side or the other, that can open your mind to different ideas. Have you ever gone through any hardships as a creative? And if so, uh, how'd you get through that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been more personal hardships than anything. Um, I think we're always our biggest critic, right? We're always looking at our stuff saying, man, is, is it good enough? Is it the best? I think for me, a lot of the outside criticism or hardship that I've gone through, specifically being a creative, is just white noise. And I think that's so important. So for example, uh, one of my favorite stories to tell about that is I was standing in the art gallery of New South Wales in Sydney, Australia. And there's about 10 or 15 of us standing around a, a Picasso piece. And this lady just kind of flippantly out loud to herself was like, man, this shit sucks. Anybody could do this. This isn't even that great. And she, so she goes on like this 30, 35 second rant and I got really angry. And then all of a sudden I kind of took a step back and I thought, okay, why does she think that? Well. I can't relate, I don't understand. But what it did is it opened my mind to artists so subjective as with everything in life. And for me, like if somebody is bashing one of the greatest artists of the 20th century, like what is my shit then? Like if somebody doesn't like my stuff, that's like, okay, even better. Cause like if Pablo Picasso can't make people happy with art, then I sure as hell am never gonna satisfy everybody with what I see or what I believe in or what I shoot or, or what I present. That's, that's so true, and I love... I think that's another thing that just makes life beautiful is that people have the freedom to think whatever they want. It's really... I mean, it's it's very entertaining to... And, and, and she has every right to think... Like, in her head, like, and that's what's cool. Like, we all live in our own realities. So, like, individuals. That's why we're all individuals. Like, and she has her whole... Her own world that she's in, and in her world, that was a terrible painting and she could have done better than that and she truly believes that your world you're like wow this is stunning like this is a Picasso like I got so much respect for this this guy was brilliant and so more or less I think people just need to take everything with a grain of salt and just relax I think at some point we start taking life so seriously and it's like hey just play a little bit more have like we just all need to relax and have some fun like why so serious? It's like the Joker. You start to like, you know, why so serious? <laughs> like everything, why so serious? Yeah. Well, and I think it goes back to what we were just speaking about. It's so easy to be a hater. Like it really is, right? It's so easy to see something or someone that you don't relate with and go, oh, well, I hate that. Like it's so easy. 
my one of the one of the biggest um, one of the biggest changes that I had to go through mentally is instead of just saying, "Oh, this sucks," right? Why don't I like it? Oh, well, because X, Y, Z, right? I had to start questioning because it's so easy to be like, oh, that, that sucks or this person sucks or that photo sucks. Try to find the beauty in parts of things, right? Like, yeah, Picasso was crazy. It looks like he was doing a bunch of drugs. But like, what is, what's cool about it? Right. Instead of just being like, oh, that sucks. You know, find the, find the beauty in everything. Right. And I think that's, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And I think that's the reason why some pers- people walk down the street and, they see nothing, and some people walk down the street, and there's opportunity everywhere. It's more about where we focus our attention, right? And so am I, is my attention focused on the ideal side of things? So when I meet someone and they introduce themselves, am I saying I don't like him because he's how he's dressed? Or am I focusing on, dude, he's a nice guy, gave me a firm handshake, looked me in the eye, seems respectful, he's actually funny, had a good joke, like I like this. Like, There's two ways to go about it, and I can either focus on the fact that his pants are halfway down his, you know, his legs, or I can focus on, dude, he's a really genuine, awesome, funny guy. And it's really that simple. It's like you, the, you, you, the, everything's in the eye of the beholder. Like your entire world, which is why you walk down the street and one person's happy, like is ridiculously happy, damn near giggling, and the other person looks like miserable. And it's like, how, how do you guys walking down the same street doing the same thing or eating at the same restaurant and one person's happy, one person's miserable? Because life is in the eye of the beholder. It's whatever you choose to make it. Well, and I think part of that, and this, and this encapsulates most of this conversation, is that as we grow old, the, the world really beats us down, right? We, we, we become miserable because we see the dark side of humanity. We see kind of the negative portions of it fueled by news and all these things. And I think back to when I was a kid, right? And the simple things of running around the park with your friends on a sunny afternoon, like the joy that those kind of things brought, you can still have those as an adult. And not to say that you have to be unaware of the issues going on at hand within the world or within everything else, but I think we fight this internal struggle so hard that we just kind of give up as we get older, right? And, and so with old people, you see that. You see the people that are so cynical and negative and then you meet the other side of that where, you know, maybe your grandma's the most happy-go-lucky person. Like, those kinds of things never have to die. And I think, for me, part of it is the photography side, knowing that, hey, like, every day I'm going to go out and I'm going to enjoy myself. My goal is to always make great photos. But some days I leave not making a great photo and I'm kind of down and kind of mad. But then I think, man, I got a great exercise in. I met some people. I saw some things. Like, there's always a positive side to it. And, and going back to really training yourself, that's part of it is really training yourself to, to think positively. Um, the Thinking world, for results, baby. Yeah, I mean, the, the world is already so negative. Um, try to find that's the, the light. Easy way out. Oh, it easy. It really is. Yeah. Easy, bro, that's easy living. Being negative, being consumed by the world around you, being a victim, like that's all that stuff, that's easy. That is the easy, easy, easiest way out. It's easy to hate Picasso. It's easy to hate. It's easy to talk down on people. It's easy to laugh at people. It's easy to spit on someone when they're down. What's hard is picking someone up. What's hard is actively choosing to take control of your thoughts, to take control of your actions, your beliefs, and the people you spend time with, and all these different things. That takes action. That takes 
awareness, that takes conscious, that takes intention, you know? I love that. I love that. And with that said, Cam, what are you most excited about right now? Man, I honestly, man, just everything going on, really. Um, you know, I've got a book coming out soon. I'm working on that. going to have an art gallery with it. Um, I, but really, I'm just excited for the next moment. Let's talk about the book for a second, bro. Yeah. What's the book about? The book is a collection of my work over the last 16 months of being a street photographer, and it's called To All the Strangers I've Ever Loved. Run that back one more time? To All the Strangers That I Ever Loved? Yeah. Oh, my good, bro. Yeah. That sounds hot. That sounds like an album, bro. Yeah. You should drop an EP with a book. Bro, I know a guy who makes beats, too. He's pretty good at it. He has to be sitting across from me. Yeah, boy. <laughs> um, the, the original idea to it is that, and, and again, it's, it kind of feeds back through all these themes that we've been talking about, is that when I take a photo of a stranger, um, I share that moment with them, right? That moment instantly d- disintegrates, but it's saved in this little 2D frame, and I share part of their life with them in that split second, and as you look back through all of these photos, you start to fall in love with the moments of the process, right? You fall in love with staying up till 2 a.m., trying to figure out how to shoot better, or all the times that you sat at the library reading books about all these photographers. Like, you fall in love with the whole thing that culminates with that one photo of that one person that you shared that entire existence with, because that's your legacy. Your photography is what you leave in that 2D frame. But for you personally, it's everything behind that. Bro, I love that. And I'm so excited for this book. I'm going to be, dude, I'm ordering it first. I'm going to be the first buyer. You let me know. Pre-order, whatever it is. Holler at your boy. I got you. I want it. I'm supporting you because I'm supporting you. But I want it because I love your work. And I want this book in my living room. So I can't wait for that. With that said... Uh, we're coming to an end here on time. You and I are going to go kick it and hang out for a little bit. But uh, before we go, I'd love for you to leave the AOV community with some words of wisdom, uh, love, or and, and or love, blah, 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 encouragement. <laughs> here you go. Well, first, I want to thank everybody for listening and taking time out of your day. Um, I, I can't express to you the gratitude that I have every day. I still get DMs from people saying, you know, love your work. Every one of those things means so much because the journey is so important. Every day is so important. And I think as you get better, you sometimes lose connection with why you do things. Uh, For anybody that's struggling to be a better photographer, keep shooting. For people that's struggling to be a better human being, keep moving forward. There's always the bright shining end, and you can never stop moving forward, following your dreams and whatever it is. And uh, for everybody out there creating, keep creating, man. That's the best. Cam 50K Streets. Be sure to follow Cam on Instagram at 50K Streets, S T R E E T S. That's at 50K Streets. Uh, be sure to subscribe to this show. I need like some type of like bell or ring or like something when I say subscribe. <laughs> But please subscribe. Seriously, guys, uh, we love you all so much, and we feel so grateful to have such an amazing audience of listeners, 
We're going to be releasing a new project here soon. It's going to be a little vlog called AOV No Filter, which will be an extension of the podcast. Um, And it's just kind of myself hanging out with rad guys like Cam talking about photography and life and business and everything under the sun. And uh, we look forward to showing you guys the first episode here in a month or so. So stay tuned and have a great weekend.